Maria Pizzeria. <laughs> Meredith's here. That was it. Oh. That was it. That's, that's the that was, thing I was really excited about. That was that overwhelming, was... I think, is what the word you're looking for. I Yes, I agree. <laughs> you thought about that one for a while, didn't you? Maybe. No, I think it shows I didn't think about it for a while, honestly. <laughs> yeah, we got Meredith in the studio today. She uh, she has been on quite the adventure. Similar to The Hobbit, just same story arc. Went and vanquished an enemy overseas. You know, Chris, you know what I'm talking about, right? I'm with you. Thank you very much. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, you know, hobbits and stuff. Hunter, take this away from uh, <laughs> Save this. Save this episode. <laughs> well, well, I'm back, and it feels good to be back. Oh, yeah, say. you're back. Yeah, I'm I back. Meredith I'm, was overshadowing. I, I, was, I was sick for about two months there. You, <laughs> almost three, but we, uh, we cut it close. It, it the, got really scary for was, a minute. It was a really long uh, stomach bug. It was terrible. <laughs> I, it, Life will come I, at you fast, I, man. <laughs> I don't wish it upon anybody. I, have, I do have to say, number one, Chase, I'm impressed with your choice of board games. Number one, risk. I was, I was, I, I was, freaking love. Risk, I, dude. I was impressed with that. I, I was a little surprised that nobody picked Settlers of Catan. I see. I haven't played it yet. That's uh, the only reason. Uh, none, none of my friends that I've played board games with are nerdy enough to really give a, a name like that a try. I've always wanted to. It's it a, seems incredible. It's a fun game. I didn't play board games. I played outside. <laughs> <laughs> Mostly because my parents locked me out. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, the you guys's uh, sports movie picks were just embarrassing it was hard for me to listen to what like the the underrated ones yeah 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 what i was i was disappointed well that was the reason (laughs) (laughs) the reason that they were underrated what what would yours have been well there was no talk of the sandlot or mighty ducks no those are those are properly those are yeah they're I guess it depends. They're great. i guess it depends on who who you're talking i've never met someone who didn't like sandlot already they're like, yeah, great movie. What yeah. about uh, The Big Green? Y'all didn't talk about that one. I don't even know what that movie is. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it's fine, but <laughs> underrated, sure. But <laughs> um, I just I felt myself listening to the uh, conversation, and I just kept wanting to chime in. And I was like, oh, I, don't, I, I got something I want to <laughs> ask you. <laughs> that's, the, that's the big takeaway here. He didn't tune out on his episodes. Oh, I did calling. listen. I listen. I listen. I listen to all of them. <laughs> well, let's get, let's get back on track here. Yeah. <laughs> Were we ever on I don't think I ever put us. We don't have Ben here direction. to uh, to to steer us, keep us in the rails. Well, I mean, there's no. Oh yeah, Ben is missing this week. We should probably say that. Well, I, they know already. He would have talked by now. <laughs> 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 there's no telling where 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 this episode is going to end up. But so what we're doing today is we're we're giving a recap of the CrossFit Italian Showdown, which Meredith uh, competed in a couple weeks ago. Woo! Uh, her first sanctional. Uh, event to compete in. Uh, it, it, it took place in Milan, Italy, and Meredith finished in sixth place, which we're really proud of her for doing that. So basically, we have her on the show. We want to talk about uh, what the experience was like, how it went, and uh, what's going forward. So good to have you, Meredith. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to talk about it. Um, so I guess let's just talk, start and talk about what the experience was like. Uh, tell us about the trip uh, to Italy, um, how that went, how the uh, venue was, how the uh, the workouts were, and, and how it, maybe how it compared to regionals. Yeah, so starting off, I lived there um, for six months, four years ago. So I kind of had an idea of what to expect getting over there. And the nice thing about that was we had a couple of friends of mine to stay with when we got there. 
So that helped us out and just kind of getting used to the area. So getting over the jet lag and all that kind of stuff, which going there, the jet lag's not half as bad as coming back. It's almost taken me a full week to recover coming back. But getting there, I felt pretty good. And um, when it comes to the venue, I didn't really know what to expect with CrossFit over there, especially with like all the techno music. There is no regular music. It was either Braveheart or techno when you're out there on the floor. But Honestly, you don't even hear it once you're out there because it's just that was the biggest um, kind of shock, I guess, to me was I have competed in that kind of uh, arena, I guess, being at regionals as a team, but I've never competed on a large scale like that individually. And so it's different individually. It's like they line you up in these barricades and they open the curtain and then they go three, two, one, go. And it literally feels like you're a horse running out of a stall and you don't even look up until you hit the platform it's just like go 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 and it just feels like you're just trying to push 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 whereas you know when you're at home in your gym you take a breath you get some chalk it's like no time for that you're watching the girl next to you kind of out of the corner of your eye and you're watching your judge see if he's giving you the rep and it just feels almost like you don't even know what to think and you're just counting in your head and you're just trying to go as fast as you possibly can to keep up Um, so that was, uh, definitely something new and a big lesson learned on my part was learning how to take advantage of every second in every workout. So you competed at regionals the last two years at the South regional on team Cody, uh, got 23rd or something first year and then seventh, the second year. Um, so you're used to competing, um, especially, uh, last year in that last heat with, you know, some very intense heats, but. Um, you know, competing as an individual on that stage is a lot different than competing as a team because you're out there by yourself. And like you said, it can feel very lonely at times. Um, so what, what were the good parts about being out there as an individual compared to a team? And what were some of the parts that were more of a, uh, adjustment? Yeah, the good parts were what I wanted. And that's the fact that it just depended on me, you know, all of my hard work and how much effort I put into the gym, it just reflects on on myself instead of you know if I mess up or something like that or if I'm waiting on somebody you know that you take all those factors out and then it just comes down to you and how hard you're willing to go and that's what I love and that's kind of what I thrive on but then the negative of that is you're not learning as you go so in a team setting there's always like almost every workout there's a little built-in rest where you can kind of look around and see what other people are doing and make adjustments based on that but I made some pretty costly mistakes by not being able to do that out there on as an individual and just simple things like standing up on the peg to get up on the pull-up bar and I couldn't see that nobody else was doing that or only a few girls were doing that and I was definitely tall enough to jump I just felt like it would have been I don't know more taxing on me I guess in the moment But in the reality, if I look back, I mean, it cost me a second every transition. And when you got 10 rounds, that's, you know, all of a sudden you're getting up into 30 seconds of time lost just simply on not jumping up to the bar. So that was a a really good lesson learned. But that was a hard part of competing as an individual is you can't kind of take a glance around. You're only caught up in yourself. Let's talk a little bit about just kind of the format and the structure of the uh, event because I thought this was a very unique um, layout of an event compared to a lot of the other uh, uh, sanctionals. You know, I think they're letting each sanctional kind of determine 
you know, what the workouts are going to be, what categories are going to be and have all that type of stuff. And this, this competition was really about getting a lot of people to compete. And so, um, it was very interesting way they did it. They had an online qualifier. Um, and then the first day of competition was basically a qualifier for the weekend. So you did, uh, three workouts back to back to back on Friday with a one minute rest. Um, and then that, that those three scores were used to determine who would move on into the weekend. And then they cut down to, I think it was 60 women or 41. I can't remember exactly the number um, after that first day. And then Saturday and Sunday, they competed uh, with just that number and reset the scoreboard. So basically the first day of competition was um, extension of the online qualifier, which was very interesting. But they ended up having so many competitors competing that all the workouts um, had to be short um, and simpler movements to cater to that larger group. So that made more of a interesting dynamic compared to some of the other, um, sanctionals where they only have, you know, 20 guys and 20 girls and 10 teams competing where the workouts can, they can have a lot more variety. These workouts by, because of how many people were competing, they had to be sh shorter. You had to have a little bit more simple movements. Um, and so that made the, the, the competition a little bit different in that, you know, if you're only doing a five minute workout and you get a no rep, that's a lot more costly than if you get a no rep in a 20 minute workout. So what do you think about the, the workouts as a whole compared to some of the workouts you've seen at other competitions? Yeah. I mean, of course, as an athlete, I would have liked to see something a little bit more challenging, something a little bit heavier, but I'm not, I don't like to complain about workouts given to me because I feel like that's what CrossFit is, is you have to be able to you know, attack everything that's put in front of you. And yeah, there's going to be some workouts that are better for me and some that are worse for me. But that's why I chose this sport is because I like the fact that you can't be too good at something and you can't be too bad at something. You know, the girl who won, she didn't win one workout all weekend long. Mm -hmm. You know, she was sitting in first after day one, getting three third place finishes. Yeah. So, um, I don't want to complain, like I said, about the workouts, but of course I would have really liked to see a longer workout, something heavy, just because that would have been a little bit more in my wheelhouse. But the workouts that were given to us, um, I think were given to us for a reason and it was a good test. There was some good skills in there. And, um, but even, you know, to the last workout, they had an option for scale the whole weekend for anybody who wanted to compete. But, you know, obviously they cut down from 210 female athletes to 60. You know, when you're cutting that many people, if you're doing scale, you're probably not going to make the cut. So I felt like there could have been a shift for the second and the third day to focus more on, okay, hey, now it's a sanctional event. We need to start trying to get these girls um, or these athletes um, in preparation or in tests for the games. And I, I don't feel like there was a shift. I felt like that it was the same mentality all weekend, and I think they missed missed something there. Yeah. But it was cool being able to see all the people come and compete that first day, and I will say that I really liked the fact that we had to qualify for the competition in person because it cut back on you know cheating and dishonesty, which can happen, unfortunately, in this sport. It's got to make you feel a little bit better, though, um, doing uh doing workouts like that that really you know where where you really gain the most uh the most ground on people is when you have is when you have the chance to uh to outlast them you know with uh with you know those workouts that are in that uh 
10 to 10 to 15 uh, 10 to 15 minute range with um you know moderate moderate weights where you can just or you can just grind people out and and uh your ability to sprint and to uh and to uh, do well in those uh, shorter workouts is, uh, has been uh, has been coming along. But did you feel like you made um, some significant uh, progress in that? And did you feel good about about your placing, considering that uh, you know really all these workouts were short sprints? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a testament to how much um, progress I have made in the last six months. And that was a really positive takeaway for me was seeing where the girl who won and. Um, Steph Chung, who was a games athlete. I mean, we were next door to each other all weekend. You know, they were in the lane next to me, so I could see where they were in comparison to me. And it was, you know, five to six seconds every workout. Mm -hmm. We were right there back and forth, neck and neck the whole time. So, uh, and honestly, like, what came down to it was just me making a a couple of mistakes here and there. It wasn't really anything to do with my fitness. And so that was extremely encouraging and really yeah. put a fire under me for the next six months had nothing to do with what you with what you couldn't do it came down to more to what you just did not do exactly yeah. so exactly exactly and I will say you know that comes back to the biggest lesson of the whole weekend and that's controlling the variables which is the stuff outside of the competition floor sleep and eating you know mm. it really was, I heard about I heard that y'all had some issues with the uh um, with with fueling exactly not exactly. having food available and Just things like that. Their food there is so different, and I knew that going in, and I I blame that I take responsibility of that, but I still thought that there would be options, and there weren't, and yeah. so that was um, frustrating, but also a great lesson to me. You know, I'm just going to pay for a check bag and take all my food with me. Sure, you know, I think that's the easiest way, and then I don't have to worry about Hunter and I sat down and talked about this a couple times. You know. If you don't have to worry about it, then it's no longer a variable, you know. And then another thing is just taking my own pillow. Something about Italians, they like little pancake pillows. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to need at least six more of these. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, was there a specific point during the competition where uh, where uh, a switch kind of flipped and you, and you realized, okay, I belong. I can roll with these girls. Yeah, it was um, after the first workout of the second day and it was I finished and I was in second place and you know because we had to qualify for the second day the first day I was nervous and you know like oh my gosh what if I came all this way and I don't even make it to to the next day um so after the first day I was feeling pretty good because I was sitting I think in eighth or something like that so I was happy to be to the top 10 but I really wanted to be top five by the end of the weekend and so after the first workout of the first day and I was sitting in second, I was like, okay, I belong here. And mm-hmm. if I give my best effort, then I can be where I want to be. And um, I stayed true to that all weekend until that last workout. And that's when, honestly, I ran out of fuel. I mean, I was close to blacking out on the floor. It wasn't like I didn't give my best effort. I just didn't have anything left to give. And I did get, you know, some costly no reps and, when it comes to no reps on pistols, you're doing double the work because by the time they give you a no rep, you've already done a pistol on the other leg. Right. I think I ended up doing like eight to ten extra pistols, which in a workout where it's in one round, you're only doing four pistols. That killed me. And did, so that did was you frustrating. Have, did you have an American, uh, an American judge or a judge that could speak English? He spoke English, but he wasn't communicating with me. And that was kind of a, uh, something I laughed about all weekend is they would count. 
in English and then they'd switch back to counting in Italian, like they would get confused. Yeah. Um, but I feel like that's something that's going to have to get uh, have to get straightened out eventually. Is um, you know you're not going to be able to do you're going to have to do simple movements in the same old stuff until you're able to have have judges at all these events that can, if you want to do something different, that can clearly communicate the standards and what you're doing. I agree. What you're doing I agree. wrong. And like when it came to um, the no reps on the pistols, um, I knew I was getting my depth. And so I was getting really confused on why I wasn't um, getting the rep. And so, you know, I looked at him a couple of times just out of frustration, like what's going on? And he, all he could say was extend, extend. And I was like, what does that even mean? What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. So that was, a, yeah, that was a frustrating point. And I remember I turned around to run back to the rig and it was like, okay, this is either going to be really bad or you can get a hold of yourself, yeah. grab your emotions and just keep going. And so that's kind of what I had to do. Cause at that moment I was just like at a point where I just wanted to cry. I just wanted to sit down and cry cause I was so mad and frustrated mm-hmm. at the time. Right. It's it's tough, uh, especially I mean, they didn't have any athlete briefings at this, so you didn't you, they oh, didn't gosh. they didn't brief the standards or right. anything. You just kind of show up and and hit the workout, and so you don't know what to expect. And then in a, in a in a competition this big, when they got like twenty people out on the floor at once, they've got a lot of judges out there. And if you've been to these events enough, you start to see certain judges are very nervous out there. And they err on the side of, well, I'm just going to give them a no rep instead of giving the, if it's, if it's, if it's a question, it should go to the athlete, but the, uh, sometimes the judges will get nervous and they'll just no rep just to no rep. And Meredith had two different, um, occasions where she got some really costly no reps. One was on in the muscle up workout. She got a no rep on her muscle up for not locking out, which if you go back and watch the video, every single rep looked the exact same. Um, but I knew it was going to be an issue because I was watching the heat before. And usually the judges stay in the same lane every heat. So I was watching the lane she was going to be in to see what the judge looked like. And the girl who was going before Meredith was not even coming close to locking out her dip on a single rep. Like it, it was her arm was clearly bent pretty, pretty well. And the head judge came over and, and got on to the judge for not no repping her. And so I, whenever that happens, if, if, oh, if yeah, the head judge sign. gets onto a judge, that mm. judge is going to be looking for any reason to give a no rep. So I, somebody's for, about to catch these no reps. That's right. So, <laughs> so sure enough, next heat, Meredith gets a no rep on her muscle up. And it, when it's 15 reps, you know, a five a, minute cap workout, yeah, a five minute cap workout, mm. a, a, a no rep on a muscle up is really costly. So that made her have to come down and jump back up and do one more muscle up. And I think though, you know, tw- extra 20 to 30 seconds, which was, ended up being four or five places in that workout. Um, so that was the first one. And the second one was the pistols. And um, like, like Meredith said, it was hard to tell what she was getting no rep for. I guess he was saying she wouldn't stand up all the way at the top, but it, it just like the other thing, all the reps looked the same. But there was the one mistake Meredith was talking about that she made was the bar muscle up bar was kind of high. And they had a, uh, a platform to step off of if you wanted to. But all the top girls were just jumping up to the bar. And Meredith went over there and stepped off every single time. And every single step onto the, onto the platform and then onto the thing was a good three or four seconds. So you add that up over 10 rounds, that's 30 to 40 seconds right there. Mm-hmm. Where if she would have just gone and jumped up to the muscle-up bar, that would have saved her a lot of time. And then that, you know, I think she ended up getting, what, like 20th place on that workout. 21st, and yeah. yeah, and I think 45 seconds would have been, you know, top – top eight top seven yeah and so she missed qualifying top five by one point so 
you know, that's, that just goes to show you when you're competing at um, a sanctional where the goal is to the top person makes to the CrossFit Games um, and there's professional people there, you can't afford to make mistakes like that. And the, the person who's going to win is going to be the person who doesn't. And that girl, like you said, she didn't win any events, but she was very consistent across and she didn't make the mistakes um, um, that – that that would have cost her qualifying um the other the other big takeaway that marathon i talked about was just um cycle speed of reps and just being able to do her reps a little bit faster and faster a little bit faster transitions um especially in a shorter workout you have to have a sense of urgency out there because especially in that last heat everybody's going really fast they're 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 running back and forth between movements um and just getting to where you know, Merith and I are very similar in that we're we're more comfortable working at a slower, steady pace. And you you have to when you get to the world class level, you have to be moving fast um, with a sense of urgency. And so pra- that's something that you have to practice. Right. You, know, you have to practice doing your reps fast, running between movements, going like treating it like you know, like you got to go 100%, but still being able to move fast, but still being able to breathe. Right. Like a, a small example of that is the girl who won and I were next to each other the first day, um, lane to lane. So on that ring muscle up workout we're talking about, we had to lunge down and then handstand walk back. And I dropped my bar a couple of seconds ahead of her. I finished the lunges ahead of her. And then I moved my bar out of the way as I kicked up in the handstand. And she was already... I watched her as she did this. She dropped her bar and twisted into her handstand as she rotated. And she was already halfway down her handstand walk by the time I'd even kicked up. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I hadn't even thought of doing that, you know. But she was taking advantage of every second. And that's, you know, I made a notes in my phone of of takeaways from the weekend. And that was the very top one in all capsules. Every single second counts. Not just, you know, you can't try to even worry about your equipment. You just got to go and let the judges take care of it. And that way, you know, you're not losing those seconds. And a lot of that stuff just comes with uh, experience and the more time you can compete as an individual. You don't, like you said, that was your first time being out there on the big stage as an individual. It's, it's so different than even a smaller competition. It takes a lot of getting used to. You talked about it was hard to breathe in there because there's so many people in there watching that the air is really dry. And if you're used to working out at the gym with the AC on and the fan on, where you, you have a steady stream of air, it's a completely different feeling. You, you know, your mouth gets dry and you have trouble breathing. And so it just, that kind of stuff just takes some, some practice. But, you know, the external factors uh, were big, came into play big time uh, this weekend. Like you said, the, the food, uh, they ran out of food. They had one place serving food for, I mean, six, 700 competitors. And there was thousands of people there watching. They ran out of food by like one o'clock Sunday afternoon. And so Meredith, you know, she, I think her first workout was like at one. So she went to go get something to eat before her second workout. They didn't have any more food. And so you're scrambling, trying to figure out what you're going to eat before the next workout. And you're, you maybe you got a banana or a protein bar or something, but they don't have any, any good solid food. So uh, we talked about like, if you're going to be in a foreign country, especially where you have no idea what the food's going to look like, even though she'd been in Italy before, like you still don't know what that's going to look like. You have to be prepared and figure out a food service to send your food there or bring your own food that's going to last for the whole week. So you don't have to worry about that because if you're having to worry about where you're going to get your food from, that's just more energy that's taken away from your workout. And then the other was um, Lee and um, Claire and Reagan were coming to meet us there and they got delayed and had to fly to Rome and drive. And that was a whole stressful thing dealing with that. 
um, trying to figure out when they were going to get there because they ended up getting there about 12 hours later than they were supposed to. And so all that energy, mental energy you're spending talking to them, trying to see where they are, seeing when they're going to get there, trying to talk them through this situation that they're stressed out, that's take away from your energy that you can put into the, to the competition. And so stuff like that, it all adds up to being a whole lot over a three-day weekend where you need every ounce of energy you can possibly muster for each workout um, and just eliminating those, those things, you know, taking the, the, the external factors out and, and controlling everything that you can control and putting it all into your competition. Right. Like even, I don't know why we decided to do this, but we stayed the first two nights in a hotel and then the third night decided to switch to Airbnb just to save a little money. So like in the middle of the competition, we're figuring out where we need to take our bags because we didn't rent a car. And then we got to move them, but we can't check in yet. So we got to put them somewhere. And then we're trying to check into the next place. And it's just, you know, it was just too much stress. And I think that's, um, as a whole, that was what I am glad happened because it, it, I really realized how much those little things can take a toll on you physically and mentally as you're competing because you're already stressed out and you're already not sleeping good because you're nervous and excited about the weekend. And then you got other outside factors kind of distracting you just takes away from what you can give in the weekend. And that was a, a disappointment for me was the, the way that I practice these workouts was slower than, or excuse me, faster than the way that I competed with them. So I went slower when I was in the competition and that's not me normally. I'm a gamer. When I get on the floor, it's go time and I'm my best self. So to see that change in myself was um, disappointing. But at the same time, I'm really glad that it happened because it taught me so many lessons. I feel like if the weekend had gone smoothly and I hadn't got those no reps and I would have been fueled by the end of the weekend, I wouldn't have learned these valuable lessons and how important it is to control the variables outside of competition. I think uh, I think it's awesome that uh, that looking back, you can take it as a uh, as a learning experience and um, and, um, you know, take it uh, for what it is. Uh, my question is with um, with everything just kind of, seem, you know, outside looking and seem like a logistical nightmare, more or less. Dear, uh, when it when it comes down to it, you know, on uh, on game day, how do you uh, how do you go about protecting uh, protecting your headspace? Yeah, Um once, so they had a warm up area that was blocked off by a curtain and nobody could go back there. And it was like every time I would, me and Hunter would talk about the workout, we'd pray real quick and then I would go back. And as soon as I walked through that warm up area, I didn't think about anything else. And all I thought about was how I needed to warm up and prepare for this workout. And that was honestly like a safe space for me. It ended up mm. being a safe space where, you know, I didn't even have my phone back there. I just, put everything in the corner and just started to focus on me. And so that was really helpful. And again, another good lesson is learning how to, you know, compartmentalize um, because as a woman, that's a hard thing to do, <laughs> especially when your husband's driving a stick shift nine hours through Italy, a country he's never been to before. Um, so I was just, you know, trying to just focus on me. And I'm sure they love Lee there, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Lee, I think Lee was ready to kiss the ground when he got back to America. <laughs> I don't, I don't know if he'll be going to the next uh, foreign sanctional. Event. He took. He told me he went uh, when he got home. He played "God Bless the USA." On his phone. <laughs> Getting off the airplane, I walked away like I didn't know who he was. 
<laughs> but that's a good point. You know, Meredith has grown up playing sports, and she has a lot of experience that she played high-level softball. And so that's something that she has developed over time is that ability to switch on uh, that game yeah. face and, and leave and leave everything else outside because you're not going to make be successful if you can't do that. Mm-hmm. And so that's something that she has developed. But it, if you're not able to – um, control your energy outside of the workout, no matter how much you can switch that game face on, it, you're still not going to have as much reserves of energy for your workout as you could if you can just only focus on that and, and take all the other factors out of it. But um, overall, you know, I think I think what you said, Chris, is spot on about her being able to take away stuff, see what she can learn from it, and use it to move forward. I think that's a big, big thing. And don't not looking at it as a disappointment like this didn't turn out how I wanted to like she was easily in the top five until that very last workout and she wasn't able to do the last event because of it but that's okay she learned what she can from it and move on and that's going to help her uh for the next one and and I think that just shows you why she's going to be successful because she does have that mindset and willing to learn and not not letting her results define her as a person and just learning it taking it as a learning experience, see what she can learn from it and move on. So I guess that takes us to what's, what's next for you, Meredith. What are your, what are your plans going forward? Yeah. Well, I do want to say real quick that I will say it would be easier to be happy with my performance if I had landed in that top five, but now being so close to first and then falling down to six, it's like all of a sudden it's just an extreme motivator. So that's kind of, another thing that I'm glad that it happened. I know it's crazy to say that you're, you're happy to be disappointed, but I feel like I got so much more out of it falling to that sixth spot than I would have if I'd hung out in there in that middle, you know, one to five range. Um, Yeah. Not really knowing where you are. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and also another thing I wanted to say about the weekend before we move on is I feel like going there, I learned a year's worth of lessons I would have learned in the gym. Mm. Um, so it was worth it just in the fact of all the things that I learned, you know, about myself and about the things that I can and can't control and things that I need to do to be a better athlete moving forward. Um, but the plan moving forward is for now this summer, um, take off season in the fact of training really hard. So off season for me just means um, putting my head in a tunnel and heading straight forward as hard and fast as I possibly can. I'm probably going to do a few local competitions, um, definitely do the Coyote Classic because I love that one. And then um, reassess in the fall, see where I'm at. Um, we're going to sit down, hopefully me and Hunter, and, and put down five goals that I want to get done by probably about October and then hit the open and then see where I fall there and pick out maybe one to two um, international competitions and then I was telling Hunter I want to try to do a couple of local – or not local, a couple of United States competitions yeah. too. Um, so so what we'll do is we'll look at when they announce the full schedule for the whole season. I think they're announcing it sometime this month and then just kind of target um, some to, to try to go to and just depending on when they are and, and spreading out the qualifiers um, as needed and also picking maybe a couple places that she might want to travel to um, right. and using that – this is a really awesome opportunity to travel and see the world if you want to take advantage of it. So maybe using that and then picking out a couple ones and, you know, the, the open at this point is if you're living in the U S there's not a whole lot of reason to really 
try to peak for the open because you're not going to win. Right. I mean, <laughs> I mean, right. no, I mean, you could train your whole life for it and, and you're just not going to beat uh, a girl who is, who is four or five inches shorter than you, who, who's a lot stronger because just the way the open is structured. Um, so it's more, it's, it's, it, it's more of a, let's just do it as part of training and really focus on, um, getting ready for, for these other events and picking out four or so that you want to really try to, to shoot for because it's, I mean, it's like a six month, uh, season of qualifiers starting in like November all the way to June, you know, eight months really. Um, and so figuring out, uh, the ones that you want to do. And then I think she still needs to work on getting some, um, some, some individual competition practice. We talked about, um, getting her diet checked in, figuring out a diet service and trying that out with some local competitions. Um, because you can get away with a bad diet for a one day competition, but you can't get away with a bad diet over a three day competition. You have to have that locked in. And so figuring that out and, um, the amount of progress Merritt has made over the last six months or so has been mind boggling. And so it's exciting to see, um, what she can do with another six months of really dedicating herself to it. And, um, and seeing what, what, what's next. So I'm excited about seeing that. Yeah, me too. Anything else you want to know, Chris, about uh, Italy? That's in Europe, right? <laughs> <laughs> this is uh, the one that looks like a boot. <laughs> uh, so I guess, uh, I guess we're going to move on to the... Uh, Outside the box! Woohoo! <laughs> Chase, Chase with the... Uh, Wake Years. up, Chase. <laughs> oh, I was ready. You ready? <laughs> My favorite part of every episode. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so what we're going to do today is we're going to do another Grill the Guest segment. We've already... Uh, oh, shoot, I'm nervous. All right. <laughs> We've already grilled uh, Marath one time, so we're going to grill her until yeah. she's we, well done this we time. Got, <laughs> got to flip her over. we got to get both sides. <laughs> so uh, so we're each going to ask her a question or two and, uh, and get to know Marath a little better. Who wants to go first? Go ahead, Chase. Thanks. <laughs> All right, sweet. Uh, I don't know how to properly phrase this question, but based on what I've learned this episode, you like the uh, the long distance workouts where you got to make it last for 15 minutes. Right. So if you had to program the perfect workout for yourself, Ooh. what oh, would it be? It <laughs> <laughs> um, doesn't have to be specific. It's just like, what are the, what are the movements that you're doing yeah. that are making up for um, this workout? Some heavy wall balls, some double unders, and some moderate weight power cleans. Those, those all sound together. terrible. I, was, I had <laughs> I had two out of the three. I was going to say wall heavy wall balls and cleans. Yeah, <laughs> I think you know if I think doing the heavier reps uh, consistently would is something that you do really well at. So if you're if you're doing heavy cleans where you have to drop reset every time, I think you're you really excel at that one. Yeah, you're you're able to handle. Uh, 80%, that 80, 80 to 90% of your capacity really, really well. And um, I think that a lot of that probably comes from your background as a, as a pitcher, having to go max effort over and over and over again on a right. very limited rest. Right, for an hour and a half, yeah. two mm -hmm. hours. Yep. Good uh, question, Chase. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate it. Nailed it. <laughs> All right, so my question is, uh, you know, we all, um, when we were, we were kind of coming up, uh, 
uh, training uh, training with CrossFit, we all have uh, athletes that we kind of uh, that we kind of look at and relate to that we kind of try to model our game after. So I want to know like who uh, who out there on the uh, on the big stage have you tried to model your game after? Or is there anybody? You're, that's such a good question because I think <clears throat> my answer might surprise you, and make you laugh a little bit. Honestly, um, every time that I've looked at one of those top games athlete females, I thought I can do that. So it's never been like, mm-hmm. oh, I love her. She's so awesome. Now, there's some that I think are, are cooler than others or prettier than others, of course, just because I'm a girl and I like her outfit more than the other girls. <laughs> 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 but it's never, I've never been like, oh, I wish I could be her or something like that because I've honestly always believed, like, if I work hard enough, I can do exactly what, what they're doing. Fair enough. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I think um, Meredith uh, can look to... Um, as far as comparing herself, you know, somebody like Annie or uh, Colleen Foch has has a similar body type to Meredith, a little bit taller. Um, and so that's usually what the workouts that they do well on, Meredith does well on as well. So those are those are good good people too. Um, I, see, I was going to say uh, Sigmund's daughter. Sarah, Sarah Sigmund's daughter. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah, and those, those three and then Laura Horvath are the four that I follow mm-hmm. on Instagram. Because I just like to see what they're doing and and just kind of copy the way that they move. Yeah, I kind I kind of liken your uh, like your just your approach to uh, workouts and your competitiveness to that kind of of uh, of Katrin and that you know the the harder the workout it kind of makes your ears perk up a little bit because you know that's where you uh, where you strive or where where you thrive and the the ability to be you know m- more mentally uh, mentally tougher than the competitor next to you. Right, for sure. So I'm going to ask you two two questions. One will be CrossFit related, and one will not. But so for CrossFit, what what are the three areas that you want to work on the most? Maybe movements uh, that you that you really want to focus on the most in the next six months. Specifically, mm-hmm. um, so number one is um, I think feel like this is forever going to be my answer on number one is handstand pushups. Um, <clears throat> they have come. They've probably gotten literally 50% better in the last six months, but they're still a big weakness. I mean, handstand push-ups were um, were one of my lowest scores on the weekend. And then the other uh, number two is pistols. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing I want to say about that last workout is it was bar muscle-ups, pistols, and then a kettlebell snatch. And the kettlebell snatch was pretty much the same for anybody else. But bar muscle-ups and pistols are not my favorite two movements. And there's something that – in the past, I've struggled with both of them. So I'm really proud of the fact that I was able to stick with them and do them. I didn't fall once on my pistols, which sometimes happens, especially when I'm warming up. Um, so I was really happy with being able to accomplish that workout, even though it wasn't as fast as I was able to do it in practice. It was still, uh, I was still happy with it. So handstand push-ups, pistols, and then number three is still running. I feel like there's a disconnect. I run all the time. And my form is getting better, but it still, I feel, holds me back because I end up with sore hips um, and an inability to go faster because it just wears me out. So I feel like if I can clean up my running form and just get better at running, because my aerobic capacity is there, I can sit on the rower for an hour and be fine. But something about when I have to move my own body weight running-wise wears me out. Yeah, I, I agree with all those takes as well. I think uh, you still need to continue to improve your flexibility a little bit. Um, it's gotten a lot better, but a little bit more on that. And then I still think you need to get better at handstand walking. 
um, and also yeah. doing that faster too. Yeah. Um, going, um, you know, those movement, those higher skill gymnastics movements, just getting the confidence to be able to do the reps fast and attack them and not like that two second split second before you start the thing where you're like, I got to get mentally prepared for this and not, you know, eliminating that and just going straight into it and do it like you would if it was a barbell, you could just walk up to it and grab it and rip it off the ground. Right. But if you have to handstand walk, it's like, okay, I got to do this, you know, mm-hmm. and then all the girls that are really confident, they're already 10 feet down the, the, right. the way. So that's a good point. That, that type of stuff. And then, so outside of CrossFit, you know, we talked about the travels and all that type of stuff. What are the three places um, in the world that you want to travel to the most? Thank God it. This is easy because um, my husband and I were having this conversation on the way back um, from Greece because obviously his his three places were inside of the U.S. He, uh, <laughs> he wasn't so happy uh, on leaving Madison. the country. Branson, <laughs> Branson Missouri. <laughs> yeah, Missouri was honestly on his list. Um, <laughs> oh, my. Where? <laughs> exactly. That's what I said. I think he just wants to go out into the middle of nowhere. But anyways, um, probably something included with a hunting trip. Uh, for certain. Oh, <laughs> no. uh, yeah, that's probably right. Yeah. Number one, um, Bora Bora. I think um, – to be able to go and stay on one of those huts over the water where the water's just crystal clear and, you know, you're just secluded out there just sounds um, so relaxing and peaceful to me. Um, number two, I think, would be New Zealand. Mm, um, <laughs> I just think, you know, this is sound nerdy, but after watching Lord of the Rings and seeing the landscape and how they film there, it just looks gorgeous. So I think that would be a really cool place to visit. And then number three... Um, hmm. I'd like to go back into Europe, maybe into Switzerland, up north or Germany, somewhere around there. I've seen Austria, so it's kind of hard to say that I would for sure want to go there. Maybe I'd change that. I think maybe I would want to go to Spain because um, from what I've heard, it's kind of like other um, European countries, but a little bit nicer and cleaner. They've kind of taken care of it a little bit better. Um, and then I'll add a fourth one. I really want to go to Africa too, somewhere in Africa. That's a big place. Yeah, I know. Like, <laughs> Egypt, South Africa. I know, but I feel like, you know, all parts of Africa are pretty much the same, right? No, that's <laughs> not at all. <laughs> not at all. Uh, South Africa is supposed to be one of the most beautiful places in the world. I'd love to go there. Yeah, also, I really to. want to go to Egypt. Mm-hmm. Um, so... There's a lot of places I want to go to, but I just checked off the number one off my bucket list, and that was Greece. So I, I got to check that one off. Same, What's same. annoying to think about is like there's these places on our list that we're like, God, I want to go there, and people just live there yeah. year round. I know. I know. Well, when you go, like we went to Greece, and it was cool, but I would not want to live there. Amen. Like uh, Santorini's cool and all, but I mean, eventually you get tired of being on this tiny little island. I think. And, and with tourists coming yeah, all the time. And yeah. It's just you take for granted the the ease of life that you have in America and all the opportunities you have. It just, things are a lot harder to, it's a lot harder to do things in Europe. It really right, is. It and, really is. And you just take for granted, like having ice in your drink or something like that, being able to mm-hmm. drive your car and pull up in, right in front of the store and be able to get out and walk in yeah. and have an AC on and all that type. Like we didn't have AC at our hotel. What The first night at our hotel in Milan, it was hot and Meredith called down to see why the AC wouldn't turn on. They're like, oh, we don't have the AC turned on this time of year. So we had to open up the door and then they got music playing outside the door. You hear people walking in the whole time and um, 
you know, just small things like that that you take for granted living here. Um, but it is really cool to see. It yeah. really is. Yeah. Agreed. Nice. Anybody else got any questions? Oh, no, good. you took mine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh, let's move on to the uh, recommends. Oh, one thing I wanted to say about the Greece. I really <coughs> wanted to talk about Greece with Ben because he's been there and he and he just he's playing he hooky will today. Gladly do it. <laughs> he wants to get back there so bad. Does he really? Yeah. And he told us to go to Thessaloniki. Yep. And I really wanted to go there, but it was so far away from Athens. Like it Athens is. is in the southern part of Greece, and it was all the way in the north. We it doesn't feel m- like Greece should be so spread out, but it's like it's bigger than you think. It is. It's really spread out, and it's a lot different, you know. And you can go on the Greece mainland, and then you can go on the islands, which mm-hmm. are completely different. And so, um, it's uh, I really want to go back and spend some more time in Greece because there's a lot of other places. I want to go to, but uh, I look forward to talking about that with Ben a little bit more. Um, so let's go on to the uh, recommend segment. Anybody got any recommends? Jace, Chris? Yeah, have you seen this uh, Game of Thrones show? <laughs> it's pretty I fi- good. Finally got a convert on the, on, the, on the show that we can talk about. Uh, Chris finally started watching Game of Thrones. I'm, I'm glad for that. Mm-hmm. Catching up, season five. Really good. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. So as of this recording, there's two episodes in the show left. And I'm so excited about Sunday's episode. It's gonna be, it's gonna be huge, or not. It could bomb. You don't know, but it's you'll sound like bomb. a fool because this will come out after. Could be a <laughs> could be a lot of build up and then nothing. Kind of like Chase's intro today. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I will say that something that's really disappointing about this season of Game of Thrones is just people's reaction. Like people, I don't know if y'all been keeping up with. Just every episode, people are complaining about this, complaining about that. It's compl- what happens when you overhype something. That's what I'm... You I, just, like, you, get, you yeah. need to go in just letting it be what it is and just... It's just the way that people just love to get up in arms about people something. People got to complain. They're going to find man. anything to complain about, and they're going to complain about, well, not enough... A main, not, not a main enough character died in this episode. But like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Like, and, then, and then they're complaining about who died or they weren't able to, to see certain things in the scene or whatever. It's just... Like, I, if you want a show that badly, write your own show. Yeah. Like, you're watching that's someone else's that's stuff. What, that's oh, exactly that's what point. I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you complain about this so much. Well, why don't you go and do it then? Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, I thought it's been great. I thought they've, they've, they're, they're wrapping up stuff or stuff is coming to fruition that they've been building up for eight seasons. And there's not any other shows that I can think of that that has something that they start off in season one that comes into fruition in season eight. So it, I mean, it's just been it's just been phenomenal, and I'm I'll be sad to see it go. But the good news is there's apparently three um, more Game of Thrones shows in development. So uh, we should be having a lot more Game of Thrones Exciting. in the future. Exciting. I yeah. do have a recommend. Okay. Unless you do, Chris. Good. Mama's Game of Thrones. That's what I figured. <laughs> uh, mine is uh, there's a new show. So I don't know if you guys have ever watched uh, Planet Earth. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, David Attenborough partnered up with uh, Netflix to uh, do their own version of it. What's that it called? Our Planet. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah I've seen yeah. Uh, I've my, seen uh, the previous one. Gosh, dude, mm-hmm. it, it really I good. forgot how much I loved uh, Planet Earth just because you know it's been a while since it came out. Mm-hmm. It's so good. It'll make you want to. It'll do like uh, it'll make you want to go to Africa. That's for certain. Yeah. It'll make you. It'll make you want to save the planet, even though like <laughs> like I don't like I don't know. It's not a big deal in that sense, I guess. Like the only downside is that like it it's like trying to make you feel bad every time it wraps up. But the rest of the episode, which I, I get it, like there's a politically driven side of it, that's fine. But like the show is just gorgeous. Like it's crazy how like awesome the rest of the planet can look. Like places you've never even heard of. Mm-hmm. It'll I don't know, it'll make you want to 
make money for about 10 years and just splurge trying to get to the rest of the world. <laughs> it makes sense why that's people's retirement plans after you watch a show like this, honestly. Well, I've got to recommend based on that. Lee and I watched a show on Netflix called One Strange Rock and mm-hmm. um, it's got Will Smith is narrating it, but it talks away. <laughs> <laughs> I know, what? which he's such a good narrator. Is he? Yeah. Really? Um, I never would have guessed that. Never. <laughs> but it talks about the way that the earth works and it's literally you know sand being pushed from africa into the rainforest and then the water in the rainforest pushing it to the ocean and all the things eating it in the ocean it's just really interesting and cool um but yeah you know all these shows are going to have a little bit of a a political agenda agenda. yeah absolutely but um it was really interesting and they talked about the ozone layer healing itself which was pretty Mm -hmm. cool and all that kind of stuff so if you're into that thing one strange rock is a good one Cool. Check that out. Well, I got uh, I got a couple recommends books that I read recently. Uh, you know, I I, uh, I missed out on the last two episodes, so I, I got a I got a backlog of recommends. So I'm just going to give you two here. How many books have you read since you were last on the episode? <laughs> uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm reading. I'm I'm averaging um, about two per week that I'm finishing right now. So however however many that is and. Um, I was able to read a pretty good a bit uh, on the trip, just on the flights and all on the trains, and we traveled a lot. So, what's your goal for the year again? A hundred. Oh yeah, you'll get there. Yeah, I'm 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 ahead of my pace right now. But uh, anyways, uh, I've been reading a lot of biographies lately, and I really enjoy reading biographies uh, for a couple reasons. Number one, you just see um, these successful people; they all go through a whole lot of struggle, um, failure. And they just keep going after it like things are not easy for them. And that's the reason that they have books written about them um, because they've overcome a lot of diversity. Um, diversity. Uh, diversity. Gosh. <laughs> All these, An old wooden uh, ship. <laughs> adversity. <laughs> <laughs> I did not realize. <laughs> Oh man, they've overcome a lot. Of- <laughs> I've ever heard one. They've overcome a lot. Should we unpack that? <laughs> they overcome a lot of adversity. Um, you know, they're a lot of them were not dealt very good hands, and they've overcome that. Um, and then just how much can happen in a lifetime? You know, I think we get so caught up in the day to day of life, and things haven't happened now. Well, when you read in somebody's biography, sometimes like years of people's lives are completely skipped over, or maybe covered in half a page. And so that's, that's just a, a good lesson that, you know, a lifetime is a long time and a lot of stuff can happen in a lifetime. And just because things aren't where you want them to be now, that doesn't mean they can't be there in 5, 10, 15 years. Um, so I've really enjoyed that and just seeing uh, a lot of the similarities with these successful people. But two that I read recently that were really good was number one is uh, Washington, A Life by Ron uh, Cherno. I think that's how you say his name. Uh, it's a really long one, but it was really good. I didn't know a whole lot about George Washington. I mean, we all know who he is, obviously, um, but you, you never really learn much about him as a person. He's almost just like this, this ethereal, figure. yeah, this yeah. this figure that just uh, was the first president and helped helped win the Revolutionary War and all this type of stuff. But you never know learn much about who he actually is, and he almost seems like not even like a real person. So this book really unpacked him and his life and and. The, the struggles that he that he went through he had financial struggles his whole life um but it, he was always sacrificing himself for the country um for the good of the country 
Um, so that was very interesting. So I really recommend that book. And any any book by Ron Chernow, any biography is, is supposedly really good. I got another one of his um, on deck. But uh, so that one. And then um, I read Bill Belichick's biography uh, by Ian Con- O'Connor. And that was really interesting. I'm, I'm fascinated by, you know, the top performers in any industry. And Bill Belichick is probably, you know, I mean, I don't think you can argue at this point that he's the greatest coach of all time. And um, he just seeing what he's been through. I mean, he failed. He failed. He was a Cleveland Browns head coach and he failed as the head coach. He was fired there. Um, and so seeing him overcome that, that adversity and, uh, and, and moving on and just seeing what, what became him, how he became who he is and the stuff that he learned uh, through his, through his time and what's made him so successful and, and how he's um, improved himself and his relationship, relationship with his athletes and his players and the media and all that type of stuff. It was really good. So uh, those are two biographies that, that uh, I really enjoyed. So if you, if you're into reading about uh, people's lives and, and the success that they've had, I'd, I'd highly check those out, recommend checking those out. Or just if you're, interested in any type of person or admire any type of person go find a good biography for them and read it and it's they're they're some of the quickest reads because you can really get into it so those are my recommends for this this week well thank you very much hunter anything else meredith anything else to add nope nope (laughs) all right well why don't you wrap us up there chase bye Smooth sounds.